It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com. You're trying to chase down last-minute shopping deals for Christmas? We got them for you on ClarkDeals.com. And coming up later this hour, speaking of shopping, what is this game when you're looking at an ad or you're on a website and they won't tell you the price of an item you're buying? What kind of gimmick is that? Well, there's actually something going on that's not a gimmick that I need to tell you how the game is played behind the scenes so you'll know the trick to get the best deal. So months ago, I talked about the difficulty in the restaurant business because of people going to grocerants. You know what grocerants are? That's not a gross restaurant. A grocerant are all these grocery stores that are selling prepared foods that are competing in their own way directly with takeout at restaurants. You know, a lot of restaurants that are sit-down got heavily into takeout as a way of trying to survive or build additional traffic from people who just wanted to pick up food on the way home and put it on the table at home as an at-home, not homemade meal. And so the, the supermarkets have gotten big time into that and big benefit to you as a consumer because it created more competition. But the reality is restaurants are what they call in the lingo of the trade overstored. That's why there have been these announcements lately about restaurant chains closing, this one closing 100 locations, this other one closing 150, another one just closing its doors. And there's a big shakeout coming in the restaurant business at pretty much all price levels because we are so overstored in the United States. And so a couple of things for you about this. Restaurants are becoming very promotional. Even restaurants that never offered any kind of deals, coupons of any kind, electronic coupons, deals for people who follow them, social media, are having to do more and more of that. So if there's a place you really like, follow them on social media, and you're going to like the deals that may come your way more often than not. I've also talked about the variable pricing that restaurants are employing, day of the week, time of night, early menu deals. But I want you to know that a prior warning is a red alert now, full red alert. Be very wary of buying for yourself or as a gift for others restaurant gift cards because the industry is in enough trouble that even a lot of well-known chains are going to fail. Individual restaurants have always had risks in the marketplace. And there was a certain safety 
that people felt if they were going to a chain as far as the stability, but that is over because of the problems in the industry. So if you're doing last-minute gift shopping, do not, do not buy gift cards unless they're like a junk bond, a huge discount to retail on that card. If it's a $50 card and you can buy it for $39, well, then maybe you take that chance, but use it soon. Christopher's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Christopher. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Christopher. You are looking at possibly using a different bank, and you want to run something by me about it. Yeah, so I've come across it, and it's just, it's got all of these awesome features. Um, It's got a 0.25% interest rate, which I don't have any interest rate on anything that I own. Um, And I think if I have a $2,500 deposit, it gives me like a 1%. Um, so I kind of just want something I can put money in and just let it let it do its thing. Um, so at the moment, I'm just looking for maybe just a, a better place to put my money. And it's just, I don't know how online stuff goes. It's a little sketchy in my opinion. It's not sketchy. And, okay. and more and more people are using online banks. Go ahead and name which one you're thinking of using. Let me see if it's one that's on my radar. Okay. Uh, I think it's called Aspiration. Um, oh, yeah, I've talked sure. about them before. Okay. Yeah. So I I have no problem with you using Aspiration as your bank. And the what the online banks have done, building from the ground up, is it's all about keeping all the things that people hate about a bank out of the operation and convenience that people want in the operation. So they don't get up every day and try to figure out how to take advantage. Right. Okay, cool. So I'm comfortable with it. And I think that, you know, with any of these new business models for the online-only bank, time will tell how good the service is, how great a job they do. But I'm comfortable with you using them. So I was also looking at it, and a couple of people who were so – I've been trying to read up on it as much as I possibly could. Um, and there was a few um, chat forums or, or whatever that people were discussing it, and they were talking about how good the interest rate they have on there is, like 1%. Um, and they said that is probably not going to be something that's going to last too long since they are relatively newer. That company. could be true. Uh, the only possibility, though, is interest rates are rising generally in the economy. And so I think you're going to see the online banks become steadily more favorable on the interest rates they pay. Just looking at online savings accounts, the rates have been moving up on those, and now they're up to like uh, right about 1.35, one-year CDs, now up to about 1.8. And you compare that to the four giant monster megabanks that pay basically nothing on savings and are paying just a little more than nothing on CDs. So I think you can go for it. Caleb is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Caleb. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? Great, thanks. I just set up an account on uh, Credit Karma uh, to look at my credit score. And I'm I'm in college. I have one credit card. And one of the recommendations they had on Credit Karma to raise my score was 
to possibly get another credit card. And I was wondering if you thought that was a good idea or not. Yeah, I, I call it the Noah's Ark rule, that you do want two major credit cards from different institutions. And by major, that means Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. Okay. And having two cards gives a better risk profile. It also prevents the problem that if an issuer were to decide to dump you, that you're not left without any card at all. And so having two cards from two different organizations is a great value. It builds a better credit profile, better credit score, and likely you'll be using less of your available credit, which raises your score. And it deals with the risk factors if a bank suddenly decided they didn't like you anymore, Caleb, you still have the other one that does. Okay. That sounds great. I'll go ahead and do this. All right. So are you working while you're in school? Yes. Okay, because you're going to have to show some income to get that second card, and you got that to get that done. Jackie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jackie. Hi, Clark. Jackie, I cannot believe what you're calling me about. I've been waiting (laughs) for your call. Share with me what has happened to you. Well, I, I, at first I couldn't believe it, but I, I suppose that it follows a trend for um, Equifax. I received a letter from them recently um, indicating that uh, after I had frozen my credit with, with all three bureaus, including theirs, that my credit card information was apparently involved in the breach. And uh, they said that it was everything uh, on my credit card aside from the CVV. And uh, even though my credit itself wasn't uh, able to be accessed by the uh, hackers that, unfortunately, they, they spilled that information instead. So Right. So the good news is that the breach at Equifax that involved people's credit card numbers is the least worrisome of all the things that have gone wrong at Equifax. Oh, good. Because if it's a credit card instead of a debit card, no money ever leaves your hands, even if a criminal uses the breached information. And second, if your credit card number is, in fact, used successfully by criminals who breach the Equifax system, your own issuer is the one liable and responsible for any charges that occur. And the issuers almost certainly are aware of which credit card numbers were vulnerable vulnerable and exposed in the Equifax breach. And they may choose either to do heightened monitoring of your account, or you may just one day get a notice from them, they're issuing you a new card with a new number. Would you recommend just asking them for a new card with a new number at this point, or just to keep monitoring? I mean, you could. Do you have a lot of uh, bill pays set up with that card? I do. Yeah, I wouldn't do it then. (laughs) You're you're inconveniencing yourself for something that may not ever become an issue. Gotcha. Because then you got to go back and change the automatic pays with all those people. So I would just ride along with the low grade risk because of the things that have gone wrong at Equifax. Telling you this is not one to lose sleep over. Okay, good. I I just thought it was. 
kind of insult to injury getting that letter, but I'm glad that it's really not as bad as it sounded. No, the card the card number breaches, that's really such an insignificant kind of thing. That's called, in the lingo of the trade, account takeover fraud. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even generally deliver even a glancing blow to you as the consumer. Excellent. So don't That's worry. Be happy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and best to you. Jonathan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Good, thank you. You are saving money to buy a home. Is this a first home or a subsequent? It'll be a uh, first home for me and my wife. Great. Well, yep. how far along are you in the process? We have our apartment right now that we just extended the lease until uh, April of next year, and so that'll give us time to save uh, money for a down payment and then um, really search the market after the new year for a house for us to, to purchase, hopefully. Great. Well, how can I be of help along the way? Uh, oh, I should um, ask you something before we even go further. Both you and your wife need to be monitoring your credit. Are you doing that yet? Yes, yes. Uh, We both get um, notices from uh, Credit Karma. Uh, We signed up for that. You took the Uh, words right out of my mouth. Credit Karma, Credit (laughs) Sesame. They're both fantastic. Quizzle is actually great when you're in the home process to see what's going on with your credit. So great stuff. Yes, thank you very much for that. What kind of scores approximately do each of you show on your credit Um, karmas? I'm generally around the 820 to 830. Oh, I hate you. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's taken me a little while to to get to that point. But, um, you know, uh, my father-in-law gave me uh, a Dave Ramsey book, and I read it about two days and lived by it. Now it's probably about five years ago, and that's what's really helped me. Uh, me and my wife get to the point to where we're at. Uh, my wife is around the, uh, probably around 780, uh, 750 to 780. Which um, is great she, as well. So you're mm-hmm. very top flight credit risk. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you're saving money. How can I be of service with the process? Uh, I could have sworn. It's probably been about three or six months ago, but I, to avoid PMI, I could have sworn I heard you say something about a 1055 program where I, uh, for me and my wife to put down 10% and then somehow the 5% of the, the 2-5% come from somewhere else. Well, actually what I said is 80-10-10. Oh, okay. So an 80-10-10 is where you do, uh, sometimes referred to as a piggyback loan, you do a second mortgage or a home equity line for 10% of the value of the home, and the other 10% is your down payment, and you avoid PMI. Okay. But wait, there's more. Okay. This is crazy, but there are some institutions heavily tilted towards credit unions that are doing loans with less than 20% down, in rare cases as little as 3% down, if you have, guess what? What was the first thing I asked you, your credit scores? Right. For people who have ultra-high credit scores, there are credit unions that are waiving private mortgage insurance and allowing you with as little as 3.5% down to do that loan. Oh, wow. Because they know historically that people who have credit scores in the stratosphere 
are extremely unlikely to default on a loan. Right. How many right. credit unions are the two of you a member of? Uh, my wife is a part of one. I am not a part of one. I'm right. part of the, uh, the big banks. <laughs> oh, well, um, well, stop going through this process of bank abuse. No longer be abused by a giant monster mega bank. Go out and look at the credit unions in your area and find out what loan products they offer. Find one that for high credit score people will waive PMI. And that's almost certainly the place you should be going. And congratulations to both of you for having your finances so tip-top. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you're learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com's our main web address, and you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So one thing about shopping now, when you're shopping online, is it's frustrating when you're looking at an item for sale, and they either A, won't tell you what brand it is, for the item, like famous brand, 65-inch TV, 4K, $899, but no brand. Or, here's one, Here's I'm looking at one right now, Samsung 65-inch, 4K, Ultra HD, no price. So in one case, no brand. The other, no price. What's that about? Well, thank the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, in a lame 5-4 to four decision, allows manufacturers to play games with what prices can be advertised and what prices things can be sold at. So the net effect is that retailers face this conundrum where their customers think the retailer is pulling a stunt on them and the retailer hadn't done anything. It's the manufacturer that said, you cannot advertise a price on our item below blah, blah, blah. And so then what the retailer's left with is either they they feel like The item itself is the attraction, and they'll list the price, but not the brand name, or they feel the brand name is a draw, and they can only advertise the brand name without the price. Now, fortunately, with a lot of online retailers, if you join whatever program they have, most of them you don't have to pay for, they're just like loyalty programs. Then when you sign in, you'll see the price. And with membership kind of things where you do pay, like the warehouse clubs or Amazon or whatever, when you sign into your account, you'll see the price. Or you'll see the brand name. Whichever it is that was held back, that's how you'll see it. I see it in newspaper ads where they'll say, whatever brand, they'll list the brand, they'll say, Price too low to show. And you're like, what kind of junk is that? Believe me, the store wants to show you the price. They're just not allowed. 
Now, I want to mention something briefly I mentioned three or four months ago, and that is with the airlines. Be very aware of the bait and switch from American United and Delta with this crummy product called Basic Economy, where they do it so they'll show up when people are searching on multi-airline websites for the lowest fare. And the airlines are bragging when they talk to Wall Street analysts, they're bragging how successful they've become at bait and switch. Because what they've done is they've made the basic economy so awful that when people go there and they go, they see, oh, look at this great fare on United. And they go and then United says, hey, you don't want this fare. We're going to do this to you and take that from you and do this other horrible thing to you. They're not going to drag you up the aisle beat you up or anything like that. That's not part of the promise of basic economy. But they'll do a lot of other junk to you. And so they use it as a way to convert you to a much higher fare. They got you to their site with the advertisement of a low price, but that's just a con to get you there. And then once you're there, maybe you'll buy the higher price ticket. That's not what's going on with consumer goods and merchandise. But always be aware of this trick of the trade the bait and switch with American United and Delta, they're not playing fair and square with you when you go to buy a ticket. Keith is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Keith. How you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Keith. You got a question about your son. How old's your son? Well, he's 13 now, and he's kind of in that age where he's, he's trying to save up for a, a new gaming computer for one. But I also want to what does he want, the Nintendo Switch? I don't know which one it is, quite oh, honestly. Because I've been reading that. in the trades that the Nintendo Switch has become like a billion-dollar profit center for Nintendo. We'll have to look into that. But here's my question. So I have rental properties, and I, I legitimately do you know maintenance work, painting, and what have, it, have you on them. And I'm trying to see about getting my son leg- legitimately involved in that where I can get it documented properly for paperwork, um, get him involved in the ma- management, and getting him started on a Roth and even starting a Social Security clock. So I, I, I thought you might have some input on this since I know you do have rentals and you have kids. Yeah, this is great. So there are situations where families game this and they pretend that a kid's working. As long as this is legit, um, you have no problem. you got nothing to hide. Your 13-year-old reports the income as a tax return, and then he's eligible to do the Roth IRA. And the power for him at 13, 14, 15, putting money into a Roth IRA will get him typically three turns before the age of, of the normal person really getting into saving for retirement. By three turns, I mean the money should double three times over before he's at an age that most people are like, hey, maybe I should start saving for the future. So it's a so fantastic how verify, habit. How do you make sure that you know this is legitimate and you're not getting audited and, and it's getting shot down because there's so many parts that would get shot down if it got shot down? Okay, so the IRS, audit rates are very low unless you are a very high-income earner or you've got a lot of crazy deductions you're taking on your own return. So I'm not worried about that particularly. And if it's legit and he's doing the work and, and, uh, and he can say, yeah, I, you know, I repaired 
this toilet at this place and I worked on the gutters on this one and whatever. And maybe he just keeps a log of his hours and tasks he does because the IRS loves that. Anybody who keeps any kind of calendar and shows the work they've done, then you're going to stand the test of a question somebody might have about the legitimacy of his work effort. Okay. And you just pay him a wage, you know, most typically to a 13-year-old, you'd pay him something around the federal minimum wage, but there's nothing that prevents you from saying, you know, my 13-year-old so industrious, works hard, I'd have to pay somebody else uh, $18 an hour to do this, I'm going to pay him 9 Right. And he wins, you win. Well, everybody wins except the person you would have paid $18 an hour to. So I love it. My kids, I don't know if you ever heard me say, Keith, but my wife's an actress. And my kids earn money in modeling and acting jobs because a lot of times when they're very, very tiny, they want an actor or actress to bring his or her own children to do a part because they'll be really calm as a newborn or young child. And my middle child made thousands when she was like six weeks old being in a series of print jobs and commercials working alongside my wife. And I slapped all that money before she was one year old into a Roth IRA. Wow. So it per, there are situations where you can make it work, and you with your properties, you can make this work for your 13-year-old as long as he really works. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jason. Hello, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and you? Wonderful, thank you. How can I, I be of service to you? Um, concerning the 25 or less employees when seeking employment with a company, and I've come to a roadblock in searching for that um, that metric, if you will. And I was curious if you had any advice on that. I have two extremely low-tech ways that I like for you to find those needle-in-a-haystack smaller employers where ultimately the real opportunity typically comes. The first one is to go to uh, business parks, you know, nondescript office, um, warehouse kind of places, and there will be so many businesses there on the directory, and those places have directories in their parking lots because a lot of delivery people can't find a particular business. Write down the names of the businesses that are listed on those business park directories, and then go back home and get on the internet and figure out who those people are. Now that's, that's pretty. Smart. That makes sense. It's pretty low tech, right? Although I did yes, say sir. you're eventually using the internet, but it starts off with you driving around looking for businesses. I love the business parks because a lot of times that's where you'll find businesses that suddenly have just taken off. You know, they may have started off with a small space and then they expand and expand and expand. And usually the way you can tell in a business park that a business is going through kind of an unwieldy and rapid expansion is when a lot of their expansion space is to the far to the left or far to the right 
of their front entrance. Because as people move out, they just take more and more spaces. Very good. That's number one. Number two, I love for people looking for smaller, non-publicly traded companies to look in the local business newspaper. The biggest player in that is biz journals. And in the area you're seeking employment, go to bizjournals.com and see if they've got a publication in your area and subscribe to it just for a few months or whatever so you can see all the companies in there that are companies you haven't heard of that are small, non-publicly traded and mid-sized, non-publicly traded companies that could be opportunities for work. That sounds great, Clark. Thank you very much for that advice. I got one other thing for you about biz journals. And a lot of their markets, once a year, they do something called the book of lists. And it's businesses categorized in a metro area in all different kinds of ways that are really geared towards, I think, the sales market trying to sell stuff to those businesses. But for you trying to sell yourself looking for a job, that book of lists is a great way to do that. And that is with the bizjournal.com yeah. uh, avenue? Right, exactly. Okay. And I can Thank always you. throw in LinkedIn. Yes, I'm a big supporter of LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on that. All right, so you can make contacts that way. And if you'd asked me this question even as recently as 10 years ago, I would have told you to join a local service organization like Kiwanis or Rotary, and that is a very low-tech way to make local contacts in small businesses, small local businesses, but it still is an effective way, and you get involved in service work that you might not even know is available to help people in your area anyway. Roderick's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Roderick, you have a question a lot of inquiring minds have asked me about this whole <laughs> thing about how do you do a burglar alarm when you don't want to have a plain old phone line in your home or business anymore. Is that right? Yes, sir. So tell me your situation. Let's see if I can be of service. Okay, I want to switch over to OMA, and I wanted to know if it was adaptable to my alarm system, which is basically on the landline now. No, it won't be. Um, okay. What people do who switch to OMA or any of the other modern phone systems is they tend to, with the burglar alarm, go to wireless monitoring. Okay, that's what I was going. I thought was going to have to be my option. Oh, but there's another one, too. You okay. mentioned UMA, and UMA has dealt with this objection over the years, and those brainiacs, I was so surprised when I saw it very early this year, and they fully rolled it out now. UMA has its own security systems. And they charge very little for it, and the monitoring is, if you're on UMA's premium service, the monitoring for it is free. Okay. And so if you go to UMA.com, and again, for people who aren't aware of what we're talking about, UMA is the best-rated home phone service, according to Consumer Reports, the best in the United States. And UMA... You buy their equipment, and then the phone service tends to cost you for government pass-throughs and stuff like that, like 
4 to $6 a month. And you got unlimited local and long-distance calling, every calling feature you could think of. But if you want UMA with the free monitoring for the burglar alarm, instead of being 4 to 6 a month, I think it's 14 to $16 a month for okay. the UMA. But then the monitoring for the alarm doesn't cost you. So okay. uh, the system they have is one that you install yourself. How, how handy are you around the house, Roderick? Pretty good, pretty good. Well, that makes you a lot better than I am. But <laughs> the technology involved with this, even I could install it. Okay. So when, when something passes the test that I could do it, you know it's easy. Okay. So go uh, to UMA, look over to the, on the front screen, look over to the right, and you'll see a click button for home security, and they explain it there how that works. Okay. So All right. best to you with that, and it's great what's going on in the home security market. Google's getting into that. Simply Safe has been around for years. That's the one that our producer Joel uses. And the equipment costs with these various uh, companies where you do your own self-install, incredibly flexible and very inexpensive. And speaking of Joel, you want to hit me with an Ask Clark, don't let's, you? Let's do it, Clark. Yeah, Omar had a question for you. He says, I have no credit cards currently. Are there any that you recommended? And is it true that the APR and the annual fee are the two most important factors when choosing? They are not. If you pay, if you use a credit card the right way, which roughly 60% of people do now, where you don't run a balance any month, I don't care what the APR is. What I want to know is if you're paying a card balance in full every month, is what rewards you're being offered. There are a lot of great reward cards with no annual fee. To do a survey of the market, go look at creditcardtuneup.com. If you are interested in one specifically that you'd run a balance on, look at credit union cards. There are no annual fee and offer typically the lowest interest rates for carrying a balance. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, well, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet, and they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com.